Hello, my name's Ben Harmon and I'm the Director of Stills, a registered charity and a centre for photography based in Edinburgh. You're listening to Photography Down the Line, a podcast aimed at sharing the ideas of artists, photographers and other people from the photography sector that we're in touch with. For this episode, I spoke to the Edinburgh-based artist Oana Stanchu. Amongst other things, we discussed how she merges her body with different objects and environments, improvising scenes and transforming herself into unusual characters and creatures to construct her self-portraits. Oana also spoke about the relationship between her still photography and moving image work. Thank you for listening. Hello, am I speaking to Oana Stanchu? Yeah, hey, hello. Yeah, that's me. Hi. Oh, Anna, hi. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you for doing this. First of all, where are you and what might I be interrupting with this call? Um, I'm actually just uh, at home so far. It's uh, quite early in the morning and I'm just on my sofa drinking a coffee and getting ready to go to the studio. But uh, yeah, no, it feels uh, quite cozy here. And, kind and- of feels a bit strange, actually, because uh, <laughs> I'm in my slippers. You know, how you, <laughs> sometimes you get those kind of dreams as a kid when you're like going to school and uh, you realize you're in your pajamas or something like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I, yeah, I, yeah, just getting ready for the day really. And your studio is at Edinburgh Sculpture Workshop, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Just in the Sculpture Workshop, which is quite close to home, oh, which yeah. is really nice. And, and if it's not, I, I've been asking people if it's not feels like such a big question now but I'm, I'm wondering how the last couple of years have been for you with the pandemic and of course more recently can't really not mention um, what's going on in Ukraine and of course you, you're from Romania which which borders Ukraine so I suppose the big question is you know how 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 are you with all of that and and how, how have the last couple of years been for you? Yeah I think they've been a mix of like good and bad and weird, I think. Um, I was kind of actually lucky because I work on my own Mm. and the sculpture workshop actually didn't close during the lockdown. So I was able to go and use my studio. To be fair, I I realized that after a few weeks (laughs) because I thought everything was closing down and I rushed when I heard that uh, we're gonna go into lockdown. I rushed to the studio to get all my equipment and at the time I was working on a project where I made quite a lot of ceramic pieces to make some costumes. And I remember I got this huge rucksack with all those ceramics bits, porcelain, fragile things. <laughs> uh, and I rushed to get them and uh, brought them to my flat so I can be ready to work from home. And then a few weeks after I realized that they weren't closing the studios, which was really nice because they're quite separate. We've got like our own, you know, we've got, it's like a hallway, each artist has their own studio with a key so it's kind of, kind of like living in a block of flats flats mm-hmm. so that was good but yeah the bad thing was that like a year before the pandemic I was uh, actually trying to focus more on becoming more freelance rather than having an employed job because mm-hmm. I always used to do like a work part-time in a cafe or a shop or something like that just to get the you know basic uh, living costs and <laughs> be able to make my my you know my artwork so I do a bit of like photography and uh, film editing and teaching art classes and stuff like that. So I've 
tried to do more of that. So in 2019, I managed to, you know, start getting going and then the pandemic started <laughs> to stop. <laughs> so that wasn't, uh, you know, that, that didn't go according to plan, let's say. But um, yeah, uh, I've managed to do some work, although it felt quite weird and maybe like mentally I was a bit more uh, stressed or something with everything going on. But uh, yeah, I had a few projects, I had a few exhibitions online and a bit in real life as well, which was nice. Yeah, another thing I was kind of like took advantage of the, you know, the, the lockdown and I started looking through my old photos. I normally work in like series, but I, I do kind of sketch, let's say a lot and like have like one-off photographs that I've not done much with uh, before. So I was just going through my old photos and trying to sort them out. And I found these uh, really nice, well, you know, kind of nice pictures for me because they, I took them at my grandmother's uh, house in in Afumat, which is in Romania, close to Bucharest, so it's in a village. So I I remember I went, uh, you know, I think it was 2016, when I went to wish her happy birthday, and I realized that everything was kind of changing because they were like building a new house. Because I used to spend a lot of summer uh, holidays as a kid there, so uh, I played a lot around in, in her garden. And I kind of panicked and I was like, oh my God, things are changing. I need to capture some of my memories. So I kind of started placing myself in different parts of her garden or like objects I, or plants I used to play with when I was a kid, um, mm. just to kind of have that kind of, you know, keep the memory alive, I guess. Yeah. And so I found those and I was lucky to get them shown at the Ingleby Gallery in lockdown, which was really nice. But also my grandmother has passed away at the time in lockdown. So that was a really nice way of kind of celebrating that as well. So, yeah, a mix of good and bad things, I guess. Yeah, I've spoken to a few artists and photographers who found, found they've been afforded that time to the time that they've always thought they would get to eventually, but never quite do to, you know, go back and tidy an archive or look, look through some older work and, and sort of revisit it, which, yeah, which I suppose is one of the good things that that, that lockdown time allowed. But you also won the RSA Morton Award in 2021 was that that doesn't sound like it would have been that easy with all the lockdowns going on and everything to to go through that process was that easy enough to to do to apply and to yeah actually I applied I applied two years in a row well I, because what you do you apply with a project and then you get selected for an interview and then after the interview then you see if you've got it or not so the year before that I got to interview selection stage uh, with a different project so I kind of I was like yeah I went through the process before it's like you know just a zoom chat with really yeah. friendly panel <laughs> yeah. and then yeah in 2021 I had a different project and uh, I was really glad to to be awarded the thing it's like yeah. really good support for making new work really and and that went on display at the RSA it was end of last year I think is that right it was up for a, a while Oh, no, that's actually a different project. Oh, a different I'm still project. making it. I've not actually kind of just starting it now. <laughs> yeah. So that was a um, that was a group exhibition that I think you're talking about the one in January. The, with It's the Iron Paw Works. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm getting confused. Yeah. No, you're that's all right. I've been, you know, I've, I've, I've have been really supportive of my work. So I've got uh, quite a few things. <laughs> Yeah. residences and you know um, opportunities from them which was good but that was a group exhibition that we've done with uh, some of the um, 
Edinburgh Sculpture uh, Workshop. Uh, well, actually, it's Gordon Monroe, who is uh, the assistant director, and he's an RSA, he's an academician as well. So his main work is, his works mainly with iron. So he's invited a group of uh, artists from different countries. There were two artists from Poland, uh, some from the UK, a mix of artists just working around uh, with iron or making work about iron, which is quite, uh, was nice. Was, I enjoyed it. Quite niche, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> fun to, <laughs> it's fun to yeah. explore it, really. Yeah, uh, yeah, a niche theme, but amazing how you, you know, the, the, the work that you produced for that exhibition and I, I imagine quite a lot of people listening to this will have seen it actually those based in Edinburgh anyway could you could you talk about those is that is that the most recent work for you or um, yes yeah yeah I wonder if you could talk about it a little bit the Iron Poor series yeah so when yeah when Gordon invited me to be part of this show I kind of thought about making an iron sculpture and then I realized that that's probably not what he's asked me to to be in because I'm not a sculptor really. So I started thinking about ways of uh, making some work about it. And I want to go to a foundry to take some photographs in the space there, kind of show the behind the scenes and how the, you know, the iron pours happen. But that wasn't possible because of a number of reasons, pandemic mainly and health and safety. And then I thought it'd be interesting to bring the materials and the um, tools that you use in an iron pour into my studio and play with them like that, which makes more sense with my practice really. So I was kind of like trying to translate the process of casting iron using my body and these materials and kind of blending my body with these materials as well, which was good, but quite challenging as well because they're very, very heavy things. <laughs> like there are these huge yeah. metal tongs that you use to uh, kind of grab the pot where the iron melted, uh, the, the melted iron is. And, and I was kind of balancing them on my, I don't know, on the floor and on my head. And <laughs> so it was quite, well, yeah, it was fun, but also a bit dangerous, I think. But, you know, I was just in my, in my studio on my own. So it's all on me, really. Yeah. No people to tell me not to, you know, health and safety regulations. <laughs> be more careful now. And, and you titled each of the works, they connect to the, the sort of processes and tools used in working with iron, like smelting, um, the crucible, the Iron Maiden, the, the titles kind of connect. Um, they do, yeah, kind of like giving you a bit of a, a hint of what it might be. It's not like very descriptive or anything, but, uh, you know, some of the ideas that inspired me to do those photographs, I guess. Uh, there's one with um, a coal it's called coke so this is what you use to as a fuel to uh, melt the iron because it burns like at a, at a very high temperature mm. so i've kind of put my body in a pile of those coals uh, and that's called smelting because i think that's the process of uh, extracting the uh, iron from the uh, ore i think it's called smelting so mm. so that makes sense out of all the images of yours that I've seen, these ones make me think the most about a ritual and almost, I'm looking at the Iron Maiden image now, almost sort of processes of torture. Uh, the, cru the Crucible might be another one. Um, oh, yeah, true. <laughs> I, I wonder, are, are these just things that, uh, you know, are, the, are these just things that I can take from it? Or were you, how much of a, a final image do you have in your head when you start making work like this? I think usually when I'm using smaller objects or just my body, 
it's more improvised. Like this is this is how it's been like until a couple of years ago, I think. It's like very playful, very spontaneous. I just grab a few objects and kind of improvise with them in front of the camera and see what comes up like that. But since I started working with sculpture and bigger objects as well, it's obviously a bit more challenging. So I have to think a bit in advance of how I'm gonna make a photograph. Mm. So for example, I would arrange those objects, some of them like, which one is that? The crucible. I used for that some um, old sand molds. So they're quite heavy blocks, like bricks. So mm. I had to stack them one on top of each other to make a shape. And then after that, when they were solid enough, <laughs> I mm. kind of placed my body there and started taking photographs. So it's a bit less uh, space for improvisation with these, sure. these ones. And I do have to think a bit in advance of how the composition is going to be and yeah. And do, do you end up with a lot of images that you have to review in order to select the, the one that you want to use? Or is, it, is that quite a quick process for you? Choosing yeah, I think hundreds, I think tens of hundreds or hundreds of photographs because uh, I don't really see what I'm doing. I've got a mirror behind my camera, so I can kind of see a little bit of how it looks like. But yeah, I take, I've got a remote control, so I just press it and do different poses or shapes and after that you're right it's the selection process uh, and seeing which one looks more interesting or like more looks better and this is all it's just you working on you're you're working by yourself making all of this work you don't have mm -hmm. any studio assistants or anyone no no <laughs> i <Wait>. wish <laughs> uh, no it's uh it's always just me really so yeah i've got the camera on a tripod and then remote control it's quite hard it's quite well actually I think it's quite funny to watch sometimes <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it can get really really frustrating as well especially when I'm I don't know I I do things with my hair a lot as well or like I use sometimes a fishing line to kind of hold bits of my hair up or mm. it's just um it's just to be frustrating when I, when I kind of try and I don't know, com compose a, an image <laughs> or something, and then I have to go and turn on the camera because I forgot to put it on or something like that. Or, <laughs> or yeah. when it's like, you know, in my head, it looks like it's, it's a really interesting image. And then I go to the camera, and I see like there's something left somewhere or like something dropped or. Yeah. 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 yeah I think I would, I kind of enjoy, enjoy it. I think working on my own, but I do think yeah. that sometimes it would be really good to have some assistance. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first time I saw your work was in an, an exhibition at Ingleby Gallery in Edinburgh, which also mm. included an early work of Cindy Sherman's. And we exhibited some early work of hers at Stills in 2019, I think it was. You know, the, the sort of black and white portraits to camera. It's sort of fascinating to me that Cindy Sherman still really works on her own and makes all her work by herself. I'm sure there, there are assistants, uh, you know, doing the printing and things like that. but you know, it's obviously become something that she prefers, you know. Yeah, I think I can that. understand that actually, because when I when I start working on my own, I just just because I also have these lights that I so it's kind of like a little stage. So I feel like I'm performing and it kind of feels like I get so into it uh, that I kind of if I think if I would have someone else there, I would just throw me off and I would not be able to kind of go into that space and the uh, 
unleash these characters <laughs> from yeah from wherever they're hiding yeah. so i think that could be a bit uh, distracting um i should at this point point out to people that the images of your work are all on your website oanastanshu.com we'll put the website in the episode notes as well so that people can easily find that i was going to ask about the you you mentioned it briefly the space the, the the backdrop the rooms that you use they're quite um looking at your work going back a few years this they're quite similar perhaps indeed it is the same space but i think what's curious to me is that it's sort of it's not entirely a sort of white cube background there has there is a bit of a domestic feel mm. to it is, is that important to you do you, do you want are you trying to have a use quite a neutral space or do you want do you want to get across a sense of a sort of domesticity about mm -hmm. the place i think i quite like the domesticity because it kind of feels like these characters that i'm trying to embody in my work they although they do seem surreal i want you like i want them to feel quite normal and like you know you could you know they live in a house or like they've got they're going about their days in <laughs> even if they look weird they, they yeah i'm trying to make them look as normal and comfortable in their skin somehow. Yeah. And I think having them in like a domestic setting, I quite like that because I think it, it, it gives a bit more of a, yeah, makes them seem a bit more normal. But mm -hmm. I think that the, the other reason that they, most of my pictures are taken in a room, is because I didn't have a studio. <laughs> so I was working in my bedroom <laughs> or, uh, you know, somewhere in the flat. And now at the sculpture workshop actually, I think I do want to build a nice floor because <laughs> there's like a concrete, it's a concrete floor in the studio. So it feels a bit more, I don't know, a bit more cold or something. So it would be nice to get a bit of that home element into mm -hmm. the studio as well. When I've got, if I've got the money to <laughs> lay a floor down, that'd be nice. <laughs> I think yeah. I prefer actually the ones that I used to do at home with a nice wooden floorboard. Yeah. And, and the lighting too, this uh, uh, this is obviously important to you in, in a lot of the works. There's quite a theatrical lighting, you know, the shadows on the wall behind you and things seem important to you. Is that, is the lighting a very important part of the process of making the work for you? Yeah, I think it is actually. First of all, because I think when I turn all the, on those lights, it just makes me feel like I am starting to perform. So I feel like I'm on a stage. Right. But then I do like the shadows that they cast on the wall and it kind of makes them a bit, look a bit more dramatic maybe, or mm. I, like, I like to think of the shadows being part of the composition as well. So yeah, I think I've got like a, a few only that I've used natural light or some of them that I've done outside in like the grandmother series that I've done in her garden or, yeah, but I do, I've got the same old lights that I used to use <laughs> in, uh, like <laughs> 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's quite incredible how you know what what you're producing with all these these sort of limitations that you have too in terms of space and equipment and so on and uh yeah i i suppose i think I, I wanted to sort of rewind a little bit and ask you about where you sort of when you first started using photography and looking at your website i realized you know for a, a good sort of 10 years or so you've been working with photography and film did an interest in film come first or, or was it um sort of picking up a camera at some point 
It was actually because I studied graphic arts. So it was a lot of drawing and painting and printmaking, tiny bits of photography, but not. We had like a, the university had a specific department for photo video. So I didn't go to that. I think in my first year of on my master, we had an assignment from one of the teachers saying that uh, to reinvent our identity. So I thought it would be, yeah, I quite like the idea of reinventing our identity. And because uh, most of my friends and even my teachers were really close to, they're kind of joking about my neck as being very long in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of took that and I thought that'd be fun to show them how I would really look like with a long neck. So <laughs> I got the camera and uh, I started taking some photographs of myself in, yeah, in really domestic settings again with like just on a sofa, just doing nothing or, um, normal activities that you would do. But then I edited the photographs and I elongated my neck a little bit more in Photoshop. Um, so I was this kind of weird character with a long neck that was just uh, <laughs> doing things. <laughs> so I think that's when I, yeah, I think that's, that's what started it really. Yeah. And I felt like, yeah, I, I, I just continued in, in that kind of style since then, uh, which yeah. is kind of nice. And you studied, uh, you did a BA and MA in Bucharest. What, mm -hmm. I wonder what the, how was that? What were the teachers like? And what's the, the sort of contemporary art scene like there? Yeah, well, I had, um, it was really good. I've made most of my friends there. And yeah, I think, yeah, the art scene, we used, I remember we used to go a lot to see a lot of exhibitions and events. And I think it was quite vibrant at the time, I'm sure it still is, but I'm a bit disconnected now since I moved um, to Edinburgh, like I think it's almost eight years ago. So yeah, but I feel like Edinburgh now is my kind of art, artistic home, let's say. Yeah. And I feel like I've, uh, you know, got involved with different uh, uh, groups and artists and galleries. And I kind of feel like I've, like things are going okay for me here at the moment. And I'm happy to be part of the art scene here, I think. And being in, in Bucharest, were you, in terms of um, galleries and museums and that kind of thing, were you, I'm curious to know which artists you might have been looking at at that time, were you exposed to work by the so-called, the, the sort of 60s, 70s feminist avant-garde artists, a lot of whom were performing to camera, uh, using mm -hmm. film and photography. Were well, you familiar with some of that? I think I was... I was familiar with Cindy Sherman, definitely. But uh, when I started doing these kind of photographs, I didn't really think of like who would influence my work or anything like that. I think that was just like a, okay, I'll, kind of like a little joke. I'll turn myself into a character with long neck and see how it goes. And then, uh, but I do think like maybe in, involuntarily, I, I do, I did get influenced by Maybe just like picking up the atmosphere from some of the photographs, like Manbrae's photographs or Claude Cajon, kind of like the mm. surrealist atmosphere. Maybe that's kind of a thing yeah. that I think maybe shows in my work maybe a bit as well. Some of the, the Iron Paw series in particular makes me think of the work of Rebecca Horn. Oh, uh, yeah. I think just because of the, 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 the use of props more than anything else. Um, yeah, I'm always, I'm always interested to know what, not necessarily what has directly influenced artists but but sort of who who they're looking at does the art scene in in Bucharest does it compare in any way to Edinburgh is there a is is there a sort of a, a gallery scene there and some other major museums and things they are yeah 
Um, but uh, again, I'm not that, I'm not really connected to it. I'm not up to date no. with what's going on. I uh, see there are quite a few artist spaces popping up and things like that. And also during, you know, the pandemic and everything, it's been a bit more quiet. But to be fair, most of my friends who I've gone to uni with uh, and live still in Romania, they've not really pursued a career in the arts. So maybe that oh. says a bit <laughs> about the art scene yeah. as well. And it's yeah. quite hard to make it work, really, I think. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, you, so you've been quite persistent and moving to Edinburgh, I know that you made some work, you, you exhibited work at the Hidden Door Festival a few times. How, how did things sort of develop for you in Edinburgh in terms of getting exposure for your work? Was, was, was that one of the, the sort of the key places that you've exhibited that's given you that vital opportunity to present work and get people to see it and it leads to other things and so on? Yeah, definitely. That's uh, I think Hidden Door is uh, where I had my first uh, my work uh, shown the first time in Edinburgh because I've just moved to after I finished my master's I moved to Edinburgh with my boyfriend at the time who wanted to do a master's in film so I just came along just found a job in a cafe paid the rent and then we split up and uh, I was kind of thinking what am I doing with my life I should try and you know, do some, something <laughs> so I applied for the Hidden Door Festival with the um, one of the series that I had already that I've done for my uh, final project on my master's and they accepted it and they really liked it and then uh, I think the Ingleby Gallery came to the exhibition as well and they liked it and uh, since then we kind of started the collaboration and I've been showing a few times with them as well so I think that was the yeah that was the starting point and since then I kept applying every year and to be fair that's that's the I think Hidden Door has just like helped help me make new work every year and push myself a bit more because there's like I don't know it just feels like you're you can be more experimental and because yeah. it's not like a white cube gallery intimidating space it's like a derelict building where weird things happen so <laughs> uh, it's a perfect platform really to uh, to experiment so yeah it's uh, yeah I think that that was uh, what got the ball rolling really and you did a project for Hidden Door that involved members of the public suggesting everyday objects mm -hmm. that you improvised with. Is, is that right? Was that... Um... Yeah, that was in 2018, I think. So for the whole festival, which was 10 days, I had each day, I had a different object that I was improvising with. And some of them were suggested by the public or friends or whatever was I was finding in the building. Uh, so I was going in the morning, playing with these objects and taking photographs. And then I was kind of, I can't even remember. I was, yeah, I was actually going to the hospital because my poor boyfriend was in the hospital. Oh. <laughs> and edit, I was editing the photographs there and then sending two of them to print and then getting them in the space and kind of, it was like a shifting, changing exhibition. <laughs> so throughout the 10 days, the hallway and the room was full of, uh, photographs and like bits of the objects that I used in and also I was focusing more on the process and the performative element of it so I had a few monitors where I was showing bits of uh, moving image that I was making on those days yeah. as well as uh, showing a bit of the process uh, so I had like a little webcam that I was filming myself so I could show a bit of how, how, I, was, how I was working making the work. It was really intense, really. And uh, every day I was thinking, I'm not, I'm not going to have any more ideas. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
but uh, yeah, no, it was it was really good. And how does your film work sort of relate to your photography? Are you do you um, I suppose I'm looking at the films you made for Catherine Joseph and Tinderbox Orchestra, which are both both amazing, and and I love the music too. How but how do you where where does film sort of moving image fit in for you? You know, does does it feel like a a different thing to your to your photography? I think there are different strands of my film work. So that's uh, the music videos, let's say, I've yeah. made for Catherine Joseph and Tinderbox Orchestra. They're a bit, although they're, you know, I'm still using my body and the, my kind of style, they're more specific to their music. But uh, most of the times I use moving image, um, you know, in a series when I've got a series of photographs on a specific theme or something like that. I like to choose one or two characters that I'm embodying in the photographs and try and bring them to life um, through video. Because I kind of want to give it like another proof that my characters are real and they take themselves seriously. <laughs> um, so I think by just like showing them doing like a very small gesture or like just moving or like repeating something, uh, a movement, I think it helps, it helps bringing them to life like this and also yeah. uh, Think maybe helps with the atmosphere as well, making it a bit more weird, yeah. <laughs> more surreal maybe. So the music, the music videos. Did you were you working to quite a strict brief, or was it quite open as to what you could do? It was very open. So they've they've just said do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're uh, no, I really enjoyed and I love I love their music as well. Catherine Joseph is sometimes I when I just work in the studio, I just play her music as I feel like it gets me straight into that mood <laughs> that my work's about a bit. Yeah. Um, and then Tinderbox Orchestra as well, they're really amazing. So yeah, I loved making the work for them. And another thing I was going to ask you is about your use of black and white as opposed to colour. Is this, is this important to you? Is this a way of keeping the, the character uh, sort of separate, separate from Oana somehow? Mm. The, or how can could you imagine using color? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm brave enough. Uh, no, I think I think I kind of well decided. I started using black and white when I did this self-portrait with long neck series because I wanted. I thought they look a bit more mysterious, and also I thought kind of it doesn't. I didn't want to place the characters in a specific time, so maybe the black and white maybe makes them a bit timeless or a bit more universal or something, I don't know. And also I think I don't, if I bring color into it, I'm not worried, but it might distract or like miss the message or the feeling I want to yeah. come across. Absolutely. But I'm not saying no, I'm not saying no. So yeah. maybe in three years I'll <laughs> start yeah. using color as well. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it, it sounds very similar to how photographers that I know who work with black and white how how they would answer that question to mm. uh, or even things like um yeah some you know some very well-known photographers Maplethorpe or Hujar or mm -hmm. uh, Peter Hujar how they would answer that question too which is really interesting I was thinking there about Rachel McLean's work and how yeah. it's interesting you know a lot of performance to cam camera a lot of characters th that she that she creates but of course using not only color, but very intense color. Really, it's it's almost like it's one extreme to the other. 
you know, yeah. the, so, something in the middle, just perhaps it, it just wouldn't work. True, yeah, I can see that. No, I love, I love uh, Richard McLean's work as well. And, and Oana, what are you working on now? Are you able to uh, mention anything you've got coming up in the future or? Yeah, I, I've got a few projects actually that I'm working on. I've got this Morton Award project that I'm starting and it's about, again, related to sculpture. And I am used, well, I call it wearable furniture. So um, I'm gonna play with the uh, items of furniture and try and distort them in different ways and make spaces for my body to merge uh, with them. It's kind of creating new characters with furniture. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's just like, I'm just starting it now. It feels quite intimidating because they're big piece of pieces of furniture that I'm gonna cut into <laughs> and ruin, hopefully for a good reason. But I had this idea of like making a, a kind of like a room that kind of looks like a, like a furnished room uh, that when you would go in, it kind of looks normal, but then when my body would be uh, interacting with the, ob the furniture, it would kind of bring them to life like that, in a kind of surreal way, maybe. So what's well, going to be, I think, ideally a series of photographs, me wearing the furniture. <laughs> Sounds a bit silly. <laughs> and some moving image as well. And ideally a performance with more dancers or people who can bring the whole room to life uh, interacting with the furniture but you know feels maybe a bit too ambitious <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's one of the projects and there's another one that I'm preparing now for Hidden Door in uh, June I got selected two years ago I think and they postponed it and mm. now I want to do this project where I want to I want to bring multiple characters in one image so kind of like a panoramic format, like a freeze, I call them freezes. So like a sort of collage, I guess. So I would take photographs of myself in different characters and put them together on one image and make them kind of interact with each other, like a, okay, yeah. a classical freeze kind of thing. So there's two kind of big ideas that I've not, <laughs> yeah, quite a lot of work to do, which I'm excited about. That's brilliant. So, so the Morton Award is actually is an award towards the, the creation of a new body of works. So you you apply with an idea, a proposed idea, and right, okay. Oh, that's really exciting. Yeah. It is, yeah. Can't, and yeah. and so, June, Hidden Door in June will be a good good opportunity for for us to see your work. Yeah, I think the way I'm thinking about it, because it's, it's I think it's quite a big project as well. I think. It's going to be more like a prototype or like some initial experiments with this idea of bringing multiple characters. So I'm not expecting it to be really <clears throat> polished or anything, mm -hmm. but just, yeah, to get, get it going and see how it feels. And again, that's, that's the kind of platform that kind of allows you to do that. <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Nice. Yeah, my experience of visiting Hidden Door is that it fe you feel a little bit, bit like you're walking around some artist studios where there's mm. the work isn't necessarily completely finished and polished it's maybe still in progress or try, new ideas are being tried out and that that can be really exciting to see that yeah. that kind of mm. work yeah will that be a, a still image or a moving image the freeze you mentioned uh, both actually right uh, okay. i think initially i'm thinking about a still image like a long one i'm not sure how long a few meters or something like that and then there's going to be some moving image as well but i don't know if it's uh, in the same format, it's more like I'm, think, I'm looking for ways of allowing characters to kind of jump in between different scenes 
and also yeah I, I think I'll have to work a bit on on the site they, they've given me so depending on what the space looks like I'll try and make these characters kind of I don't know climb the walls or like go through the walls or something <laughs> it's something uh, I don't know make them teleport <laughs> from one space to another <laughs> so I think after I see the space I will get more ideas and see how what works there Great. Well, that's that's really exciting. Thank you so much for talking to me this morning. I really appreciate oh, it. You. Um, really look forward to seeing what you what you do next, and we'll um, I'll stick some of that information in the episode notes for everyone. Hmm. Thanks so much. It's been lovely to chat to you. Take care, and hopefully see you soon. Thanks. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Stills Podcast Photography Down the Line and my conversation with Edinburgh-based artist Oana Stanchu. If you're interested in hearing more episodes, our podcast is hosted by Anchor and available from various podcast providers. Thank you very much for listening.